Hello, my name is Kate Kinchel, and you're listening to the Remarkableness Podcast. Today, I'm with the remarkable Dawn Cady. Dawn is a pain transformation coach and a pain management specialist. She's recently had her story published in Living Your True Story, a collection of inspiring chapters showcasing individual success and achievement, and also been nominated as a finalist in the Changemaker 2018 Altitude Awards. Dawn works with many people around the world, helping them to combat and better manage their chronic pain using techniques she discovered and learned to use on herself with great success. Dawn, thank you so much for agreeing to be uh, with me today. It's wonderful to come out to your lovely home in the Blue Mountains, so thank you. Oh, you're more than welcome, and hello everyone. Um, I'm just going to summarise your story at the beginning. There's a wonderful chapter in a book which I will push out into the show notes where you can read more about uh, Dawn's story. But to summarise, you went through an enormous amount of pain, really, for 14 or so years. Um, You had a very unhappy childhood with a um, very abusive mum and um, finally diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. Uh, but along the way, uh, and up until um, you know, recently, you have been in, in pain. You've had to learn to walk again three times. I mean, it, it really is the most extraordinary story. Just, you know, what, what have you learned about yourself? I mean, you come out to this, it, it is a remarkable story. You are a remarkable human being. What have you learned about yourself? And I suppose the resilience of, of, um, of humans, really. Wow, that's a big question. Um, well, what I've learned is that we're all a lot stronger than we give ourselves credit for. Mm. I mean, I still now when people say to me, oh, you've learned how to walk again three times, I'm still in shock by that. Mm. And you don't realise what you actually can go through. But it's about never giving up. Mm you have to make that commitment to yourself at some point that you'll never give up because that's how you get the power and the resilience. Yeah. That's what I learned about myself. And another thing that I learned, um, which is the mind and the body is one and we're taught that it's not. If your mind is not in the right place, then your body will suffer. Yeah. And that's what I've learned. And I had no idea about emotions or the understanding of emotions. I didn't even know what emotional intelligence was Mm -hmm. until I went through this. And then I understood that all of the emotions that I'd experienced and suppressed throughout my entire life in order to survive was probably the root cause to most of my illnesses. Yes, because anxiety and stress has a massive impact on the way our, <clears throat> our cells behave, but That's also right. in our digestive system and all of those, you know, therefore autoimmune, the immune system and etc. Yeah. So, if, I mean, we, there, was a, there was a point, again, not so long ago, and I, I mean, you were in a you know, wonderful, loving relationship now, you have a, a beautiful little boy. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a point I read in the chapter that, you, you know, you really reached... Um, feeling suicidal because you felt you were useless to them and uh, was that actually the turning point was that the point of when you realised that that wasn't going to you weren't going to do that was that the point of transformation or had it been coming for a little while where you decided you know what this life is not going to be like this I'm going to I'm going to change it I'm going to get better yeah this is this is um, when you reflect and when you reflect on the past and you're able to reflect on the past in a place of not reliving the story, that's when you learn. And when I looked back and started to go through the past without the trauma, 
there were signals and signs constantly mm. but I never took them and when I was in the fetal position in the bed that was the point of I was either gonna go and end my life or I was gonna fight back mm. and that was the turning point but there were many things that had happened prior to that yeah which were signals of for me to hold on and not give up mm. but I ignored mm. them mm. Mm. but it was at the point where I was ready to take my own life mm. that was a turning point yeah yeah I think some, when we reach rock bottom, there's only somebody else said that in another podcast. You reach rock bottom, there's only one way up. I mean, there's only one way to go, obviously, which yeah. is up. So, what were the first sort of steps then that you that you took at that point? So, the first step um, that I took was to listen. There's a voice, mm. and if you read the chapter, you'll get an understanding of the voice mm. and how significant that was my entire life mm. it saved my life mm. several times and um, it was no different in this case I listened to the voice and the voice pretty much told me not to give up it said that it wasn't true and the things that were going around in my mind at that point was I was worthless I was useless I was making everybody's life hard mm-hmm. and the voice said it's not true and holding on to that was the first step yeah. and being alone with that and when the thoughts came in of me being useless was challenging them Mm -hmm. and I didn't realise that I was actually using a form of therapy Mm -hmm. which was quite ironic I just followed my intuition Mm -hmm. and it was to challenge anything that came up that was backing me to kill myself Mm -hmm. and um, that's pretty much what I did the thoughts were coming in and I was saying but is this true? Mm -hmm. And they would vanish and they would disappear. And I don't know how many hours I was in the room. It felt like hours. But I came out and I was a different person. I'd not spoken for days to my husband. I'd not spoken a word. I was distant. My eyes were dead. And I came out of the room and my eyes were awake. And I was staring at my husband and looked at him and I said, I'm going to be okay. Mm. So that was, I mean, it was a whilst it had been a while coming, yeah. well, that, that transformation in the end actually happened, um, as far as your husband was concerned, almost yeah. in an instant, in a way. Yeah. But that, I guess that inner strength you'd had, really, since you were seven years old, it just, it, it kept you, yeah, it kept you alive, I guess, over the, yeah, over the years. Yeah. So, as you started, I guess, to heal yourself, mm-hmm. what, what point did you think you know what this is something that I can do to help others that I've learnt you know so much that um, that I can start making a difference to other people this is bizarre Um, I started seeing a coach Mm -hmm. because I knew that if I didn't find a purpose and find something good out of what had happened that I'd be wasting the second chance that I'd been given. That's the only way that I can describe it. Mm. And I had no idea what I wanted to do. I'd had various different jobs before. I was running recruitment projects for the government and things like that. So I I had a pretty good job before all of the accident had happened. But through being in coaching with this guy we had a conversation one day and he was trying to help me find my purpose Mm. and he was training another coach up in the room and he said do you think that your purpose is to use the strength and the skills that you've 
use to reverse diseases and walk again do you think that that might be your purpose and we all started crying all three of us started crying and he said I think that's your purpose Dawn because if your purpose has to stir emotion up and it still makes me feel emotional now thinking back at that because I never knew that this was the path that I was going to go down in a million years but reflecting back I always wanted to help people mm-hmm. with their mind right Mm. I never understood I blocked most of my childhood for protection but when I was able to go through the traumas and have no actual emotional attachment and see them as I don't know as a third person as an observer I started to remember memories and I can remember wanting to help people but I never thought I was good enough to go to university I never thought I was good enough to ever be a psychologist or work with the mind or help people Mm. Mm. And that was a pattern which you'll see in the chapter yeah. that not worthy. Yeah, yeah. And it's a it, it's something which I think particularly young people today struggle with enormously that lack of lack of self worth, um, which yeah. then leads to leads to problems. And I know it's very easy to say, well, you know, people go through dreadful things, and you know, and then they turn it around, and then they help others. Now we do see that happening. But in order to help others effectively, you know, it takes a lot of a lot of strength um, and I think a lot of courage as well, because it really does mean sorting oneself out. Um, how long? How you were still in you were still in physical pain uh, when you decided to start helping others. So again, what were the from that point of view? What were the the first things you, you started to work on the mind? I know. Mm-hmm. What did you do for the physical pain? And, um, for the physical pain, I used EFT, which is called Emotional Freedom Technique. Mm. And what that does is it calms the nervous system down. So it switches the fight or flight response off. It calms it down. And there's a part of the brain called the amygdala, which produces the stress hormones. Mm-hmm. When we have too many stress hormones in our body, we're actually hindering the healing process. So that is the imperative step of helping someone get out of pain, is helping them control it through knowing their own body and getting to know their own body and Mm -hmm. how they respond and react to things Mm -hmm. and helping them through traumas because we experience so many traumas when you're in chronic pain and this is the thing that unless you've been through chronic pain you have no idea and it's such a difficult difficult illness I'll call it an illness it's a difficult illness to ever explain to someone who's never experienced it because it takes your identity you don't know who you are you're a shell of yourself with it Mm. and that's why I do this and that's why I help people because I know what it does Mm. and how it feels and the isolation that it causes that's probably one of the most damaging things is the isolation because no one understands what you're going through and you actually can look okay Mm. Mm. It's a bit like depression, isn't it? Chronic depression, where yeah. people who really haven't had it have really can have no. You can't, you know, just snap out of it, as it were. It's a, it's a very dark place to, yeah, to come up from. Exactly, mm. Mm. and it generally leads to depression because yeah. it's depression through isolation. Mm. Mm. And we, I know we talked about um, addiction to medication mm-hmm. um, and I know you had been on enormous num- I mean how many pills were you taking a day 13 a day yeah. one hears about it through you know celebrities um, you know becoming addicted to, to medication that sort of thing it, it obviously it's an increasing problem is yeah. it yeah 
massively. So, and so, what are the what is the answers to that, and what and how how quickly do people get addicted to medication? Gen- I mean, I know it's a general, quite generalising mm. question, but well, the interesting thing is, generally, everything that happens in the US slowly ends up in the UK and Australia and New Zealand. In the US, it's a massive epidemic, is addiction to opioids. Mm-hmm. Because of the simple reason it is people injure themselves, they get hurt, they take the opioids to cope with the pain, they then become addicted because it's a form of escapism as well as the pain relief. And opioids, just explain, that's like... So that's opioids like... is the hardcore Okay. Yeah, it's the hardcore painkillers. It's such as Targin, Lyrica, right. Tramadol, Endone, Endone, those so kind they're of... Prescri- they are prescription they're ones. They're all prescription yeah. ones, yeah. So it's mm-hmm. the next level of painkiller, not the yeah. things that you can buy over they're the counter. Sure. Mm-hmm. And they're generally the ones that are actually addictive. Mm-hmm. And in the US, what happens is um, their insurance lapses because they can't afford to pay their insurance because they're no longer working. Painkillers in the US can range between 10 and $50 a tablet depending what they are, it's astronomical. Mm. So if you think about it, if you cannot afford to pay for the drugs, and I know that won't happen here, but it's still a mild form of it will happen. Mm. If you can't afford those drugs, you will turn to street drugs because it's cheaper. Mm. That's what's happening in the US at the moment. And I know that it won't get to that extent here. However, when people are not getting enough of a relief from the opioids from the doctors they start taking more and they start then shopping so it's called shopping and they go to different doctor's surgeries to fill Mm. out the scripts and that's when it becomes lethal Mm. and that's where addiction and addiction comes in many forms and the addiction that I had wasn't with the actual taking of the tablet it was the escapism so we weren't actually trying to numb the pain at that stage so much or honestly the painkillers a vast majority of the time because it was nerve pain because I have damaged nerves Mm. it wasn't really doing anything Mm. it'd take the edge off sometimes but it was the escapism of not being able to think and realise how terrible my life was Mm. Mm. that's the addiction that I experienced personally and I think that quite a number of people experience that as well that's what I want to make to help people be aware of yeah so in that respect really it's like it's like addiction to alcohol and yeah. to um to other sorts of drugs too yes it's it's the escapism that you're, you're trying to achieve at the end of the day exactly mm. right mm. exactly right yeah so just we, we talked about eft yeah. um as being some of the other techniques now i know you've also talked about on your facebook lives talked about nutrition as well do you talk to your clients about things that i mean magnesium perhaps things like yeah that? yeah I talk about many, many, many different things. (laughs) My objective when working with people is to give them everything that I know in a pace that they're able to action and absorb. Mm -hmm. Because it's okay when we go to these workshops and things are brilliant, but we go away with all these actions and no way of implementing them. And that's the importance of having someone help you get out of pain is it's overwhelming enough trying to deal with everyday life as well as trying to bring in new techniques and things like that Mm. into your life. Mm. And so what are the sorts of things that people are coming to you for? Um, Are they coming to you with pain from um, long-term illnesses? And I assume it's emotional pain as well. It's... mm, 
and this is a really interesting part of pain western medicine deals with pain through symptoms Mm -hmm. and looks at symptoms Mm -hmm. and they can only look at certain areas so there's specialists in certain areas of the body and there's um physiotherapists who specialize in certain areas of the body as well which is imperative and important but pain is your body's way of communicating to you that there is something wrong yeah yeah that's predominantly where it is and that pain can come out migraines headaches back pain neck pain disease Mm -hmm. it can come out in so many different ways Mm -hmm. but the fundamental thing behind it is your body is saying i am not coping i need help Mm -hmm. And that's the important message that I want to get out to people is pain is your body's way of communicating. And when you find out what the root cause is, the symptoms will reduce, if not disappear. When you find the root cause and help the body to heal, the body wants to heal. It just can't sometimes and it needs your help. Be that through nutrition, be that through mindset, be that through coming off of painkillers and allowing the body to no longer be bombarded with drugs that it has to break down mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. so many different ways as to why people are not getting out of pain mm-hmm. and it's finding that and then finding the root causes to why the pain started in the first place yeah yeah that's how you get long-term relief yeah and you were also talking which was fascinating about the energy mm. around can you explain a little bit more about that yeah it's when I explain this to my clients and when I learned about this through studying because it's not actually documented anywhere as one theory but it makes logical sense when someone tells you it we wake up on a morning with energy and that energy that we have has to do absolutely everything function every function that your body goes through processing food to your heart beating to cells rejuvenate and regenerating for you to actually do a task for you to think so every thought that you have say for example may have take one to two percent of energy away now that's not thoughts of you thinking that you're great or you're brilliant because they actually don't take anything away from your energy believe it or not no they lift your energy up. they lift your energy up Mm. that's Mm. right Mm. it's the berating thoughts which most people think when they're in chronic Mm. pain Mm. i'm useless i'm not helping i'm making life harder for everyone and then it's the past thoughts if only i hadn't have got in that car this accident may have never happened if only i've not slipped and we start replaying the story of what happened to us that drains our energy when we're draining energy we're actually depriving the body of being able to heal Mm -hmm. because what happens is when we become negative at the end of the day our body doesn't go into the repair process between which happens between 10 p.m and 2 a.m generally for people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. our body doesn't go into that deep process of healing because it doesn't have the energy to do so and that's what i want to get the message out to people is every time you think of thought think is this stopping my body healing and repairing? The more times that you question that, the more times that you'll stop those mm. thoughts coming and being a part of your life mm. and being that pattern. And that's what life is, yeah. patterns. Um, and we do have, I mean, it, it's a its a well-documented and known fact, isn't it, that even, even if we haven't got something like you had to deal with, that mm-hmm. actually out of our 
70,000 thoughts that we have every day, every day 80% of them are negative and 80% of them or more are the same thoughts we had yesterday and the day before and the day before that. And I know we've talked about this before on the podcast. And I think I'm a, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Eckhart Tolle and, mm. and, and, you know, he's all about being present if we live in the past where depressed if we live in the future then we're frightened or, or scared so being in the present and actually um really um that that awareness and consciousness i think can also help with the healing good but because i think you also become more aware of your own thoughts if you are living in the present so you can start to catch them yeah. and start to change that just change that pattern um as it goes that's exactly right and mindfulness is starting to become a following mm. a lot of people mm. are starting to realize the benefits especially mm. with anxiety and stress if you live in the present you've got less chance of stress ruling your life mm. Mm. and that's one of the things that i help people with is to teach them that they're in control of the body mm. we believe that we have no control and it's a piece of machinery that's highly intelligent that we have no control over and it does what it wants is so not true it is highly intelligent don't get me wrong and it's highly complex so we don't need to be. Mm. Mm. But we have control over it through simple action, such as breathing. The importance of breathing is incredible. And the present moment, once we're in that present moment, then we stop focusing on the past and the future. Mm. And when we stop focusing on them, we reclaim our energy. Mm. And it's all about these bite-sized things. Once you start to make these little changes, mm-hmm. it's not drastic, dramatic changes it's small adjustments to your life and an understanding if we understand why we're doing something and it's explained to us how the body works Mm. and you're given evidence that you're in control then you will make those changes but if people just dictate to you and tell you that you need to do this you need to do that this is what you need to do you will never take that on as part of your life because you don't understand why you're doing it Mm. and you can't build momentum without having the knowledge Mm. Mm. and that's important yeah I'd love to know a little bit more about I mean I've I've heard people talk about EFT often and I don't I've never actually investigated it myself I haven't used it but (laughs) but that's obviously something that helped you a lot yeah did some and so did how did you come across it did did you actually did somebody tell you that was simply something you had to do or were you looking for what what was the what was the how were you introduced this is um this is the beauty of life I um, was sat on the sofa in pain thinking I don't want to go and get a painkiller because I know that they're not working and I'd questioned it Mm -hmm. and I picked up my phone and I googled Mm. natural pain relief Mm. and just as I was googling natural pain relief an email popped into my inbox that said natural pain relief (laughs) and I was like wow what on earth is this so I clicked on the email and the email was to it wasn't actually um, to have an EFT or emotional freedom technique or tapping whichever you want to call it it wasn't to have a session with someone it was actually to become an educator interesting which was very interesting and I bought the course not to ever educate anyone that was not my intention but I was like, if I'm going to do this, I need to know why it works. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I came to that logic, why I didn't want to just go see someone. 
because that would have been the easiest thing to do but it wasn't what came to me was this course of learning how to be an EFT practitioner Mm -hmm. and now at that point I didn't have the capacity or capability of learning anything because I was in a haze Mm -hmm. with all the drugs and the pain but what I did have was a capacity to watch videos online of how to do it so I downloaded the course and tried to read the material and that did not happen but they had diagrams Mm -hmm. and then from the diagrams and the understanding behind it I then was able to watch videos of how you actually do the movement Mm -hmm. and I just kept practicing the movement and the movement is you're actually tapping on um, meridian endpoints which calm the nervous system down so it's a bit I mean is it the same points that you would use acupressure points different yeah. or is it similar, similar very very but similar you're, you're able to do that for yourself basically that's exactly mm. right yeah. it's, it's very very similar to acupressure but it's different in you, you don't press it you actually tap the points yeah. Mm-hmm. and um, yeah so I found that really bizarre and I started practicing and I did minimal because I didn't have the capacity to even think about the words I needed to say and this is this is um, a thing that people struggle with they don't know what to say and I want people to understand that it doesn't matter what you say it's the intention that you set and the thing that you focus on when you're doing it mm-hmm. so all I used to say was this pain this pain why won't this pain go I want this pain to go it was pleading mm. and it would reduce I would start with a 9 I'd mark the pain out of 10 and it'd be a 9 it'd be horrific sometimes and I'd get it down to a 7 and I know that might not seem a massive shift but I was no expert I had no idea what I was doing and I still was able to reduce my pain better than any painkiller that was in my drawer which led me to think if I can do that with not knowing anything then I can then start to come off the painkillers. So every time I went into the draw, I would tap. I'd get up mm-hmm. without realising, and I'm opening the draw to get a painkiller out. Because it was such a, I mean, it was such a habit. Mm. It was a habit, and it was like, mm. I want to escape, mm. without mm. even knowing that I was doing that. And I'd go to the draw, and I'd, go, I'd stop myself and go, no, 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 I have a better tool than that. And I'd start to tap why do I want the painkillers I don't want the painkillers why am I getting the painkillers and then I'd just say the judgement around me wanting the painkillers the nasty things that were going on in my head you're a druggie you're pathetic and I'd tap on them mm-hmm. and then suddenly I was like I don't want a painkiller mm-hmm. and that's how it started mm-hmm. I didn't just suddenly wake up and go I'm free of pain because I've used this tool it was just trial and error with yeah. things and I guess thinking about it, if your 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 focus completely shifts, doesn't it? If you're focusing on the tapping, but you're also with the tapping, has to come thought, you know, focused thoughts as opposed to just letting the thoughts come into your head too. So it's uh, again, it is changing changing the thought pattern too. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's incredible because you can do um, tap and run, which is a good one with anger. Mm-hmm. So I'd get angry sometimes. And I didn't even realise that that was a technique mm-hmm. until about a year ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but tap and rant is a technique that people use. Mm-hmm. And I was tapping and ranting because I was angry that I was told that I'd never get out of pain. This was my life. I was going to be disabled. I was, mm-hmm. And none of that was true. Mm-hmm. And I believed it. And I allowed that to rule and ruin my life. Mm-hmm. And I was angry. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. through angry, mm-hmm. anger, you can't heal. You can't heal when you're angry. No. No, so I needed to get rid of that anger and I did that without even knowing yeah yeah 
And you're teaching, I mean, you're teaching people through your um, counselling sessions. You do one-on-one sessions, don't you? That's the way you work. And you, it doesn't, they don't have to be physically in your presence. You can, you do them, you do them distance and on on Skype. That's right. So I've got clients all over the world. Mm -hmm. Um, I do one-on-one up in my practice in Blackheath. And... um, yeah, with the Skype sessions or Zoom if Skype's being unstable, which it sometimes yes. is. <laughs> um, it's about it's about being supported. It's the way I look at it is how to get out of pain is the first step is hope. And I help people have hope mm-hmm. because I've done it. Mm-hmm. I don't need to do anything to help people have hope because they know that I've done it through the languaging and the understanding of what they're going through. I can meet anyone where they are because I've experienced it. Yeah. From hope becomes faith. When you start to implement things and you see subtle changes, you start to believe, I actually can get out of pain. It's not hope anymore. I know that I can get out of pain. I have the faith. Through faith becomes momentum because you want to continue. And when you build momentum, that's when you start to be able to take on the bigger challenges and the um, the more complex techniques. And then, when you've got that understanding and knowledge, you're then set for life. Because, to me, it's not about me doing the techniques for you. In the beginning, absolutely. Because it's difficult doing it on your own. Mm. But after a while, what happens is you start to practice those techniques and you get an understanding of how they work and what works for you. Mm. Then you're armed with a, a tool belt. Yeah, That's what I like to say. You're armed with a tool belt. So when anything happens to you or your family, mm. you then go, ah, that's a tool that I learned when I worked with Dawn and that does this and this does that. So... What I'll do is I'll teach or I'll show my child and I use it with my little boy whenever he's got pain or whenever he's angry or upset. We do tapping together or we do one of the other techniques together and he's a different boy, Mm. a completely different boy. He was affected massively by what I went through. How old is he now? He's four and a half. Mm. Mm. But he was affected massively. Mm -hmm. He had behavioural problems. Because he saw me angry. I was very angry in the situation I was in. And he mimicked my anger. And he became angry and upset and confused. Because that's what I was feeling. Mm. And he was around me 24-7. Of course. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So isn't that great? I mean, you can use it with, as you said, you don't have to be in pain. These techniques are techniques one can use in any moments of stress or, yeah, anxiety. Mm. That's exactly right. It's about... The reason why I do this, going back to um, why I started doing this, the reason why I do it is because I want people to understand that we live a life of confusion and fear. And it doesn't need to be confusing and we don't need to be scared. And that's what I've learned. That's my biggest lesson through all of this. Is no matter what happens, as long as you have the intention of never giving up, the tools and the people in your life will come, up, or come along and help you. Mm. And that's that's what I want people to know, that if you set that intention and if you understand that life is not as confusing and as scary as we're led to believe, you can get through anything. Yeah. You truly can. And your I mean your practice is building now, you're you're you know, you're helping many people already. What's what's your vision for your I suppose for your for your own business, um, in the next sort of 
five years, five to ten years. I know you've got a big vision. <laughs> it's an exciting vision. It fills me up with joy. It's why I get out of bed every morning, smiling and happy. Um, I want to help people on the mass, and my vision is to set up pain clinics throughout Australia. Mm. And my um, work that I'm doing now is helping me, everything that I do now is helping me to attain that vision. I'm studying to be a psychotherapist in order to become um, CIRA, which used to be work cover. Mm-hmm. So once I'm work cover approved, then I'm able to set up almost like a rehabilitation centre, but it be a pain clinic where rehabilitation centres will refer to. I can't do that until I'm work cover CIRA approved. Mm-hmm. So I need to become a clinical psychotherapist. So I'm studying with the top psychologists in, um, not in New South Wales, in Australia. Mm. I'm studying with them at the moment to learn all the skill sets to be able to become a psychotherapist so that I can go down the medical. Mm. And that's exciting because my vision is that if I set up these pain clinics, then people no longer need to be in fear or suffer. And if they can't afford to get the help and they've gone through work cover, they'll be covered. Yeah. Because what I do at the moment is not covered by work cover, it's not recognised. And people who have been injured at work have so many traumas, the system traumatises people because it starts with you're not believed. That's the mindset is when you go to these independent medical assessors and anybody who's going through workers' comp will know this, that when my clients I've spoken to who've gone through the work cover, when you go see an independent medical assessor, they assess you on the basis that you're lying. Mm -hmm. And that's highly traumatic. When you're in agony and you're in pain, you actually start to believe that you're making it up. And they help you to believe that. And that's the reason why I want to set up pain clinics. I want it available to everyone and I want to be able to get funding through government, through whoever to help people get out of pain because I know that some people can't afford it. Mm. Mm. And that's my vision. That's fantastic. Yeah. Amazing. And you've just been recently, um, you're a finalist in the Changemaker Award um, through uh, the Altitude Awards, which is very exciting. Congratulations. Thank you <laughs> and, very um, much. And as I said, we'll, we'll put the... I highly encourage everybody listening to um, to read the chapter in the book, um, Living Your Living Your True Story, is that yeah, the name that's of the right. book? But your chapter is, is available to everybody to, to download and um, just so you can really understand where Dawn has come from. Um, and have you got any sort of final words of advice or hope for people who are going through... Um, such trauma or even you know people who you've referred to books that sort of thing that might be might be helpful for others um the happiness trap right was one of the first books that i read Mm -hmm. the happiness trap and it helps you understand why you feel the way you feel Mm. definitely that would be one of the books and the weird thing is is that was recommended to me and when I read through that book, when I spoke about before, when I said I was at my lowest point and I was actually questioning the thoughts that came in, in that book is that technique, acceptance commitment therapy. Right. Okay. Which is highly yeah. ironic. Mm. And that will help a lot of people to understand the myth about happiness and what makes us happy. Okay. 
Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dawn. You're very truly remarkable. It's been lovely spending some time with you and um uh you know, I highly if people are listening and they know, you know, others who are going through something like this, then please, you know, please refer this podcast to them and uh, and also Dawn's contact details will be will be in the show notes as well. So thank you very much indeed, Dawn. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Remarkableness podcast today. If you'd like to contact Dawn, then you can go to her website, which is www.dawnkady.com.au. And if you'd like to download and read the chapter of her story, um, then there'll be a link on the show notes, which is on our website, www.theremarkablenesspodcast.com, where you can actually click on a link and download that chapter for free, um, which I highly recommend doing. Thanks so much for being with us, and I'll see you next time.